0: What's the worst event to have ever happened in the history of humanity? If you had to pick one, if you had to think back through all the different things that have happened. Now, I think the top one is easy, and we'll all agree on that one. But really, top two is the one, the second one is the one we've made. The top one, well, of course, the cross, right? The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the worst thing that ever happened. All right, let's put that one aside. What's the worst thing that's happened apart from that? Our very own recent modern history, there are plenty of really quite terrible examples of horrible things that have happened. You could think of genocides, holocausts, of mass murders, of all sorts of, really, atrocities against humanity. But if you were going to list the single worst event in the history of humanity, I think you'd have to go all the way back to the start. You'd have to go all the way back to the garden and the fall where Adam and Eve, deceived by Satan, in disobeying God, overturned everything. In fact, in some ways, I think the magnitude, the scale, the catastrophe that that event was, is kind of hard to overstate. Every single bad thing that has happened since is attributable to that moment. Every sinful action, the the, the curse that fell upon the entire world, the disordering of relationships, the rebellion of mankind against God, it's all flowed out of that one moment. Right there, Satan won a victory. Of course, in a war that he would go on to lose. But it's astonishing that one of, if not the single worst event in the history of humanity, is what Paul compares the Corinthians being deceived to. He's talking about their being led astray by these false teachers that we saw last week to Adam and Eve being led astray by the serpent. It's why I think he's so fired up to rescue them, to bring them back to the truth, to somehow release them from the deceit that they found themselves under and bring them home to Christ again. To guide them back to the truth and it's why it matters so much for us as we keep working through 2 Corinthians to make sure that we pay very close attention because the danger that they faced of being deceived as Adam and Eve were of being led astray is a danger that is also true for us as we're about to see as we get into this chapter. Now, I want to show you three things from this chapter. I want to show you, firstly, why it is that it matters so much. Why it is that sticking to the truth, that not being led astray in deceit matters so much. Secondly, what the dangers are. And thirdly, what the temptations are. Well, let's get into it and let's talk about why it matters so much. And look at the first two verses. Paul says, I wish you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me. For I am jealous For you with a godly jealousy, because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. He starts this chapter a bit strangely, doesn't he? he? Just put up with a bit of, it's as if I had started the sermon like this. Sermons are usually very serious affairs, but today I'm going to have to speak extra slowly because you lot are a bit thick. It's as if he starts like that. Just, man, I don't know how else I'm going to cut through with you guys. I'm just going to have to treat you as dumb to get through to you that you have been promised as a virgin to a groom. You have been promised pure to Jesus. This is why it matters. The picture, the main picture really in our passage today is one of betrothal. Of, of the promised one, of the bride, for the husband, and the husband who is jealous for that bride, who wants her to be pure for the wedding day, who wants her to remain a virgin, to remain undefiled, to remain faithful to the one she has been promised to. That jealousy is a very powerful emotion, isn't it? It put me in mind of Proverbs chapter 6. I'll read it for you, Proverbs 6 from verse thirty says these people don't despise the thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. Still, if caught, he must pay seven times as much. He must give up all the wealth in his house. But the one who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. He will get a beating and dishonor and his disgrace will never be removed for jealousy enrages a husband. And he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not be appeased by anything or be persuaded by lavish bribes. And see, when it comes to matters of the heart, jealousy is extremely powerful. The breach of faithfulness is one that cuts like nothing else does. The picture Paul paints here is, it's almost that of an arranged marriage. We've we've lost the sense of that a little bit um, we still have it in part. You think of the wedding service and there's often that moment when the, the minister will ask who brings this woman to be married to this man, right? And, and often the dad or the parents will stand up. We do. We, we still have that little bit of a sense there, right? Paul is, is I'm, I'm the parent who has brought you to your groom. I'm the one who is responsibility to bring you pure and undefiled to make sure that you are ready. The vision the Bible has We see it a number of times. You can go look in Ephesians 5, you can go look in Revelation, if you remember from last year, is of God's people as a pure, spotless bride for the groom who is the Lord Jesus. Prepared, made spotless, every blemish removed, every sin paid for. That's the picture of you and me. That's the picture that Paul has in mind. Promised in marriage, pure, untainted, faithful. Wonder if that's how you think of yourself. (laughs) If that's your vision of what your life is, you are on. You're on. You're on the course to the wedding day. You're on the trajectory to the day when the groom is finally there, and you want to be there, pure, undefiled, faithful, not flirting or inviting disaster by pursuing others. See, why does it matter so much? Because that's who we are, that we stay to the truth, that we not be deceived away from Jesus, matters so much because you and I are part of that bride. We have been promised to the Lord Jesus, pure and undefiled. Well, it matters so much That Paul wants to warn them of the danger. See, what is it that might happen? Well, he says they might be seduced away from Jesus. Seduced by a different Jesus, seduced by a different spirit, seduced by a different gospel. Have a look at verse 3. I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you had not received, or a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up with it splendidly. You see, what's the danger? The danger, well, that deception of the mind seduced away from the truth, seduced away from what they had first received, just as Eve was seduced by the serpent with, well, what astonishing results, right? And note a few things about this, right? Paul is comparing it to that event with the serpent and to Eve. The magnitude is, insane, is massive. It really matters. Notice that their minds are what are seduced. Their minds are led astray. We saw some of this last week as we were talking about the mind and the place of thoughts the place of the Word of God and the Gospel as we think. So I wonder what it is that you fill your mind with. How hard or easy would Satan find it to seduce you away from the truth? How, far, how hard or easy would Satan find to confuse you about the truth? Is your mind filled day to day, week to week with the Lord Jesus Christ? with the truths that his word bring by the Spirit? Do you have confidence that you can spot when somebody's bringing to you falsehood, that you can spot when somebody, just like Satan did in the garden, stands before you and says, did God really say that you shouldn't? I I wonder if God wouldn't perhaps prefer it instead if you did this thing. No, it'll be better for you if you just ignore that for a moment and go and pursue what is in your heart and your mind. We need to think about it. We need to consider it beforehand. See, temptation for each one of us is going to look different. For each one of us, there's going to be uh, the particular thing that we are tempted by. For some of us, there'll be comfort. For some of us, will be wealth. For some of us, it'll be relationships. For some of us, it'll be just an end to the pain. For some of us, it'll be all sorts of different things where we are particularly vulnerable, where we are susceptible to that lie or the many different lies that Satan will try. It's worth knowing yourself now beforehand. What is the danger for you? Don't be deceived in your mind so that you aren't seduced away. And notice what it is that they are seduced away from or what Paul is afraid they'll be seduced from. Sincere and pure devotion to cry. It's not a word we use very often anymore, is it? Devotion? To devote yourself to something? I think probably the closest we have is football fans. Our, our, whatever code, we rugby, whatever you want, right? Right? They are devoted to their team. You, you talk to a diehard, true blue footy fan, and on Monday, what they'll be talking about is the results from the weekend. On Tuesday, what they'll be talking about is who's in form. On Wednesday, what they'll be talking about is what the training was like during the week. By the time you're hitting Thursday, they'll be talking about who's in the squad for the weekend. By Friday, they're talking about who they're playing and how they're going to smash them. And then all weekend is spent preparing for and organising to watch the game. They are devoted Pure, sincere devotion to Christ is what ought to characterize us. What Paul was afraid was that at any moment another Jesus might come along, another spirit might come along, another gospel and distract us. It's not a danger that was only present for them. Oh, it's true today. Now, you just go and look up the top 10 best-selling Christian books. Almost doesn't matter whose list it is. And you will find on there, invariably, a book that presents a different Jesus. A lot of them are the, I'm going to help you out, Jesus. I'm going to make your life good, Jesus. When times are tough, I'm going to get you out of them. That kind of Jesus. The sort of Jesus that you wonder what the martyrs of yesteryear would think of. If someone came along and said to those who burnt at the stake, Oh, what Jesus really wants is to get you out of every tough situation. The flames. And they're like, really? Did I get it wrong? I thought what Jesus wanted was my holiness. What Jesus wanted was my faithfulness to him. What God, what Jesus wanted was pure and sincere devotion. There are so many who will preach another spirit. There are entire so-called Christian denominations who are built around what they view the work of the spirit to be. The work of the Spirit is very simple. The work of the Spirit teaches us, He convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. That is the work of the Spirit. And I tell you, if you see a denomination, if you see a church, if you see a teacher, a pastor, who never speaks of sin and and righteousness and judgment, who never feels convicted by the Spirit of those things in their own life, in the life of their church, in the lives of those around them, then you've got to wonder what Spirit are they listening to? Friends, there are other Gospels all around us. There are obvious ones. There are people who claim the name of Jesus, who so clearly have lost the way from true biblical Gospel. Right? The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're easy. They're obvious. But there are so many who will be insidious among us. These so-called super-apostles were in the midst of the Corinthians. They weren't a church out there somewhere. Even among us. We need to be careful. We can add to the gospel so easily. Well yes, yes, you're saved by grace. And then what you need to do is, it's so easy to take away from the gospel. Ah, oh, God doesn't really care so much about sin. It's not, it's that's not really the big deal. It's just about living a good life. Don't be led astray. Don't be distracted by them. Don't be seduced by them. I'll tell you what, the gospel that's really appealing is the gospel that says God doesn't really care about sin and so you can really do whatever you want. That, that gospel is dangerous. Don't believe it. Why does it matter? Because we've been promised to Christ, His bride, pure and sincere in our devotion, faithful to Him. The danger is that we would be, our minds would be seduced as a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel lead us astray. And the temptation comes in the form of its packaging, in the most silly way possible. It's all about the packaging. I mean, we saw it last week and here it is again, right? Their problems with Paul in this section, they have two problems. Problem number one, he wasn't a particularly good public speaker. And problem number two, get this, he didn't charge them for teaching them the gospel. And that was their problem with him. That's why they're saying, oh, maybe it's, he's not really the one. He's a bit unimpressive. He didn't charge us for it. It's really, my, uh, someone I know sent me this during the week, right? Just to capture a little bit of how ridiculous it is. That they're going after this gorgeous hunk and talking down Paul because of something as silly as he lost his cloak. We're never like that, are we? That's never us, right? Caught up with the packaging. We, we've never walked out of a conference talk and someone asked us how was the talk and we've never said, oh, it was great. It was, uh, it was very entertaining. Right? Well, and what was the talk about? Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there. Yeah, I I wrote it down. I wrote it down. (laughs) But he told some great jokes. Ah, so relatable. That's never us, is it? Tempted by the packaging to miss what's at the very heart, what's at the essence. You see, they said of Paul, he's untrained in public speaking. He said, yes, I am certainly not trained in public. Maybe I'm untrained in public speaking, but I'm not untrained in knowledge. Well and truly, I mean, Paul, he knew what he was talking about. You just go and read the book of Romans if you're ever in doubt of that. That'll set your mind at ease. What matters was the content. or that he didn't charge them, that was a problem somehow. But it's true, isn't it? Because wherever your money is, that's where your heart's going to be too. We know that to be true. If you invest cash into something, you are going to care about it. I mean, you think about your support, a couple of examples, your support of missionaries, for example, for for a moment. You think about that, right? And and the new missionaries going on the field, and they send you their prayer letter, they say, we need some supporters, who wants to sign up for our prayer letter? And you say, yep, no worries, I'll sign up for your prayer letter, it doesn't cost me anything, you send me an email once a month and I ignore it, right? That's very easy to do. But then the missionaries, you start sending money to them, you start all of a sudden watching your bank account dwindle for the sake of supporting their ministry, and now you open that prayer email, you read it, and you pray. It's no wonder that they said, well, you didn't charge us money, so we care less for you. But even that was just so silly. Why on earth would that convince you that Paul wasn't the real deal? No, Paul was certainly trained in knowledge. But see, they were so caught up with appearances, this is what they saw in these false apostles. Paul says, verse 12, I will continue to do what I'm doing in order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. It's no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. They looked great. These false apostles, they looked the part. Man, perfect teeth, great hair, voices that boom a message that sounded powerful. They looked the part, they walked the part. I mean, angels, very beautiful things. Satan disguised as an angel of light is the picture we're supposed to have here. They came with everything that made them look impressive. I suspect they probably even charged a lot for their services. They made you feel like you got great value for your money. (laughs) And they're servants of Satan. Now again, friends, there, there are some people today who was very easy to spot. There are some who call themselves apostles even to this day. I don't understand it myself. I thought apostles were in the Bible and we don't need anymore because we've got the ones here, but it's so easy to get swept up when they look impressive. How often have we judged by covers? when there's something really superficial and we think, ah, maybe I better go somewhere else because the superficial is not quite to my liking. Now I'm sure that the time will come when you'll move church at some point. Maybe you'll move church to come and join us if you're watching this and you're not from ours. Maybe you're with us and we're going to send you to do ministry elsewhere. It'll be very exciting and sad. As you go... Keep these words in mind and do not judge by the superficial. In fact, do it among us. This isn't just when you go. This is why as the preacher preaches, you need your Bible open. This is why in your Bible study, you need your Bible open. This is why you yourself, as you are discipling others or as you meet one-on-one with other people, we want to be doing that in our church, you need the Bible open. As other people meet with you, you need the Bible open. So we need to stay true to Jesus the one that we receive, true to the spirit that we have received, true to the gospel that saves. There's so much in here, isn't there? So much in here. As we bring it home. How do you view yourself? Do you see yourself as Christ's bride? Pure, a virgin, dedicated to sincere devotion to him, faithful to him, that there'd be no cause for jealousy, guarding your mind and your desires so that you would never be seduced away from Jesus, fiercely pursuing what is true, what is true of Jesus, what is true of the Spirit, what is true of the Gospel, never deceived by appearances, hungry for the knowledge that will protect your mind. You see, you and I have been promised You and I have been promised in marriage to one husband that when Jesus returns, he might find you and me ready as his pure, spotless bride. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the way in which you have saved us to be yours, to present us pure and spotless to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we hear this warning and we desire deeply to take it to heart. We hear this warning knowing that it is true today as well. That among us and around us are agents of Satan who would deceive us and lead us astray. Father, strengthen our minds. Fill us with the truth. Strengthen our hearts. Fill us with deep love for Jesus. Strengthen our spirit that your spirit would be at work in us father we want to live lives of sincere devotion to jesus and we want to do this for your glory amen